What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. All right, Lions, we've got another very special show today. Many of you heard the recent uh, LNC chair debate, and now we've got another debate here for you, this time featuring candidates for the vice chairmanship of the Libertarian Party. So let's bring them right in. We'll start with a guy who's been a guest on this show before. He is the current vice chairman of the Libertarian National Committee. He also ran for Senate, uh, U.S. Senate in 2016 and is doing so again in 2018. Very pleased to welcome back Mr. Arvin Vora. Arvin are you ready to roar? I absolutely am. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited for this debate, and I want to thank you and my fellow candidates for joining. Sure thing. And I also want to thank all of you for taking the time out of your, I know, very busy schedules to come on with me today. Uh, next up, he also ran for U.S. Senate as a Libertarian in 2016, and he is the host of the Alex Merced cast. Pleased to welcome back Alex Merced. Alex, are you ready to roar? Roar! <laughs> And uh, next up, he is an uh, alternate regional rep to the LNC. He is a former and current candidate for U.S. Congress, former chairman of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania, and, of course, a current candidate for the vice chairmanship, as is everyone on this program. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome, for the first time, Mr. Steve Sheets. Steve, are you ready to roar? I believe I am, sir. I believe you are as well. And uh, last but certainly not least, he has been a libertarian activist since 1979, and he is a three-time chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. He is Mr. Joe Hauptman. Joe, are you ready to roar? I'll roar at NOLA. I will just talk today. (laughs) All right. All right. That'll work. Uh, Now, uh, first off, some of you have been on the show before. Some of you haven't. So I just want to start off by having each of you lay out uh, a little bit of your background as a libertarian and as a member of the Libertarian Party. Obviously, a lot of you could go on for uh, an hour probably about your story of why you're a libertarian. But let's try to keep this to sort of the elevator pitch version. Uh, Why are you active in the Libertarian Party and why do you see it as a vehicle for advancing liberty in our society today? And uh, we'll start with Joe. All right. I've been a libertarian since the 70s. I was a Republican and ran as a Republican under Richard Nixon. And even in those days, it was obvious the Republicans only believed in freedom for themselves. Um, I was involved in the uh, Indiana Libertarian Party from 79 when I got the uh, state treasury in a shoebox and was in charge of quelching the bench warrants for the treasurer former treasurer who didn't believe in filing forms as a matter of principle. Um, I've watched the party grow from meetings in my living room to uh, our last state convention that had 114 delegates. And I've watched the national party grow up to a national membership of 32,000, watched it drop down to 12,000 and watched its fight its way back to 14,000. Um, I bring experience and I'm not going anywhere. All right. And uh, we'll move on now to uh, the other one of you who has not been on the show before, Steve Sheets. Steve, uh, why are you a member of the Libertarian Party? Why do you see the Libertarian Party as a, you know, a vehicle for advancing liberty? Well, why I'm in it is because there is no other place for me. It's the party of principle. 
It's the party of liberty. And as far as being a vehicle, we've been at this for 40 years, and there is no better option out there to promote liberty as a candidate than the Libertarian Party. Uh, like you said, you know, I've been working with the state party and the state affiliates, and I've been helping candidates for a very, very, very long time, since 1994, off and on. And uh, no, this is home, man. I'm not going anywhere. All right. Next up, uh, Alex Merced. Alex, why are you a member of the Libertarian Party and why are you so active in this uh, something you see as a big vehicle for advancing liberty? Got it. I'm a Libertarian because of Ron Paul in 2007, but I'm a Libertarian Party member because in 2013, Michael Sanchez did the simple act of asking me to join the party and become a candidate. And that's something that I want to see more of, of us just reaching out to people saying, why don't you join? Sometimes asking has, you know, received some results. And basically since then, I've stayed with the party because I met an amazing group of people fighting for things that I believe in. And basically I can be part of something that's growing where I can be myself. I can be a libertarian um, or some people choose to be part of the two big parties that are dying and stagnating and shrinking. I'd rather be part of a, a growing ship with the right values than a sinking ship with the wrong values. And that's why I'm still in the Libertarian Party and why I will be with the Libertarian Party. All right. And finally, we'll go to the current vice chairman, uh, Arvin. Why are you a member of the Libertarian Party and why do you see the Libertarian Party as a vehicle for advancing liberty? I believe that right now America is in the midst of a cultural war. And I believe that we need to see the kind of value change that will allow for the political change that we want. At the center of that, I believe, is the current respect for the welfare state. And what I do intend to do uh, for the rest of my term and hopefully for another term is to fight against the worship of the welfare state, to fight against all forms of socialism. And one of the really major types of socialism, one of the major types of welfare statism that I think needs to be discredited and attacked with every single ounce of of passion that we can generate is government schools. I don't think there's any form of libertarianism that allows them, and I do want to see us go after something meaningful, so that's why I'm running, and that's why I'm a libertarian right now. All right, and now, uh, just as we did with the uh, the, the debate with for the Libertarian National Committee chairman, we're going to take the rest of this show, basically, I might have my own question in there somewhere, but uh, the rest of the show is going to be handed over to our patrons, uh, our members of the Lions of Liberty Pride, and questions that they have put out there. Um, and now, to full disclosure, uh, Alex Merced is a member of the Lions of Liberty Pride, Pride. Uh, he is one of our patrons. Uh, I think you could all trust that I will not uh, be so biased by his $5 a month to, to sully this debate. But uh, and of course, he did not submit any questions for himself because he's an honest guy. But uh, the first question comes from Stephanie Bloom Parker, one of our longest time supporters. Stephanie asks the very simple question, what is the proper role of the vice chairman and, and what unique quality do each of you have that qualifies you for that position? We'll start with Arvin this time. The vice chairman has a primary role as as a spokesperson for the party, especially on major media, the one of the most important things that I do is outreach through major media organizations, TV, radio, uh, print. And the specific job is to constantly be working to shift the paradigm from 
the narrow focus that they want to have to what we want to have. So, for example, a vice chair needs to be able to move a discussion about whether or not to have a new school tax to a discussion about abolishing government schools, as well as abolishing the assumptions of the welfare state, which says we should all be forced to pay for other people. So the job of the vice chair is is primarily that. I think it's something that I've certainly worked to to be good at. And I think it's something that whoever the next vice chair is, they're going to really have to make that their centerpiece. I've done, I've been the vice chair for two terms. The first term was easy because I had to do maybe two or three media appearances in two years. The second term, I do more than that a week. It is a big job. It's an important job. And it's something where your voice will reach not just a national audience, but an international audience. And your job will be to define what people think libertarianism is. Does it mean legalizing hemp or does it mean abolishing Medicaid? Does it mean you know changing what days you can sell certain things or does it mean ending the welfare state? And so that's what the vice chair is going to do. He will define what America and many other countries will see as what libertarianism is. All right, moving on, we'll go to Joe Hotman next. Joe, what do you believe is the proper role of the vice chairman, and what quality do you have that qualifies you for that position? Well, the bylaws are very clear. The main job is to be able to step in when the chair is in the restroom and do whatever job the chair has assigned to the vice chair. Um, Nick has assigned uh, the uh, media to the current vice chair. I think uh, Arvin has done an excellent job as a spokesman in front of major media. If I am asked to do that job, I believe I'm also prepared for it. However, the main thing I bring is experience and organization all the way from the county level up to the state level, up to the national level. And I bring institutional memory, which the party has been sorely lacking. And I can put this to the, uh, uh, at the use of the, whoever is the next chair. I will also serve, of course, as a member of the, uh, central committee at large. And in that I plan to travel around the country to get the input of many of the states that basically haven't been visited by the current leadership sometimes for many years. All right, and we'll move on to Steve Sheets. Steve, what do you believe to be the proper role of the vice chair? What qualities do you have that uh, make you the best man for that position? Joe basically succinctly put it right. You know, the bylaws spell out what the vice chair is supposed to do, and that's the job I'm going to be doing. But in addition to that, you know, I don't necessarily believe that it's the vice chair's role to tell people what libertarianism is say to reflect what the membership says that the that you know this is what libertarian is you know our membership is what defines what our party's role is you know we we go every two years to talk about the platform we talk about everything that has to do with our principles and then we determine what it is that our platform is going to look like that's just one of the things the other thing is in addition to that i believe that is the role of the vice chair to help facilitate communications among states we have a lot of institutional knowledge that is not being broadcast to everybody. And a lot of it has to do with helping candidates fill out petition forms correctly, what to do with ballot challenges. And what I would also like to do as vice chair is to put those people who have a lot of experience with running campaigns together with the novices. Now, it's so difficult to find people to want to run for office. It's difficult to find people to volunteer. And part of it is 
They don't know what they're doing. And they need help. They need help from the experienced people. It's not the LNC's job to train them, but it's definitely the LNC's job to help them get in touch with people who can. Mark, could I respond to what Steve just said? Yeah. How about how about I just let Alex answer the question too? Oh, I, sorry, I sorry, yeah, sorry, by my to, mistake. Yeah, yeah, I forgot that. Alex yeah, no, we'll, we'll circle back to that definitely. So uh, why don't we let Alex answer, and then we'll let you guys uh, talk a little bit more. So Alex, uh, why don't you just answer that question first? Uh, what is what do you believe the role to be of the vice chair, and why are you the man for the job? Joe's correct that the basically the job description is basically to serve at the at the at the behest of the chair. And whether it's Josh or Nick, I feel very comfortable that I'm going to work very hard to provide the best support to the chair and in, and also act as a voting member of the LNC in trying to steward the resources of the LNC as best as possible. But being the vice chair, you're going to have more visibility and you can put that visibility to good use. And one of the things I want to do is facilitate and encourage. So basically use that visibility to highlight the great work that different people are doing within the party across the country. And also help people connect each other as candidates need graphic designers, help put that message out there that say, hey, you're a graphic designer. If you're a graphic designer, help this candidate. So this way we can facilitate connections between people across the country and encourage people. So that way, basically I always say outreach and inreach. Basically it's not just about making a a, friend, uh, a, a friendly environment that attracts people from outside, but creating a friendly environment inside so people want to stay once they get involved and people make people feel excited and acknowledge so that way they continue to do great hard work. All right. And uh, so did you, uh, Arvin, did you want to go ahead and then respond about uh, what, what Steve or Joe had said? I, I actually did want to respond. There, there's two points that I want to make. And the first is this idea that the chair tells the vice chair what to do is a total fantasy. Nick, if he could, would tell me to be on CNN every day. The problem is CNN might not agree. So a lot of what the vice chair does is actually determined by external availability and external opportunities. If the media calls the vice chair, it is not the vice chair shouldn't be calling the chair and saying, should I take this interview? Of course you should. You should be taking every opportunity, whether it's at a booth or whether, whether it's on CNN, to promote the cause of liberty. Uh, but the bigger thing I want to respond to that Steve said is that the members of the Libertarian Party define libertarianism. They do not. They can do their best to express libertarianism, but libertarianism is an ism. It is an ideology. It is not something that we can say what it means. It means what it means. Government schools are not a part of any kind of libertarianism. Make government schools part of the LP platform, but that just means we will have ineffectively represented libertarianism. The vice chair, I do believe, has to represent the party and the platform, but I think his first responsibility is to libertarianism. And a party and a vice chair that is going to say that whatever the members say is libertarian is now libertarian is not really representing either the interests of the LP or the interests of the liberty movement. Uh, so I'm going to have to strongly disagree with the position that the members of the LP have the ability to define what libertarianism is. At most, they can either well represent libertarianism in the platform or ineffectively do so. And Steve, I'll let you respond to that since you were mentioned there. Well, basically, you know, we go there, we talk about our platform. We we pretty much define what is in that platform. You know, um, Back in 2002, we had a really good one. They deleted it in, what was it, 2006? And we've been slowly bringing it back ever since. But that's because of the hard work and dedication of libertarians that are part of the party, man. And if you want to say that what they believe is not as important as what you're going to say to the public, well, 
that's a problem. And I don't want to be that libertarian. I want to be a libertarian who expresses the will of the membership of the party. Arvind, do you want to respond to that at all? I think I've made my position clear. I, I do believe that the will of the party's membership is important, but I don't think they have the ability to define libertarianism. I'll tell you one thing. If the LP platform said that government schools are good, I would believe it's the absolute moral responsibility of the vice chair to quit and denounce the LP as a fraudulent organization. I mean, libertarianism is pretty clear what it is. And there are some subtle areas of disagreement, and there's areas where we can have challenges in minarchism and anarchism disagree, but on the big areas where minarchism and anarchism are absolutely clear as, as to what libertarianism is, there is no room for disagreement. Just like socialism is pretty clear about what it stands for, libertarianism is clear what it stands for. It is an ideology that has very clear rules for many big areas. It has some areas of difference. I'm not talking about that. The big rules, I think we can all agree, should be represented accurately and clearly. Hey, Mark? Yeah. Um, just really quickly, um, obviously that's the reason why um, – being a proponent of government schools is not listed in the platform. Well, I mean, I think he's just using one one possible example of, of many that could potentially um, make the platform unlibertarian. But uh, I, I do want to give, I mean, and you can respond as well, Steve, just I, I do want to dig in, in a little bit more to this idea. There seems to be a little bit of conflict regarding, I know Joe had mentioned that the chair is not a per se a spokesman of the party, he or the vice chair, I should say. He is he is really just there to back up the, the, the chairman and, and perform whatever task the chairman says, whereas it sounds like Arvin and maybe to some extent Alex um, sort of think that the, they sh there is a more sort of defined active role or should be an active role uh, for the vice chairman as as an actual spokesman for the party and for what libertarian is. So um, I don't know if, Joe, you want to maybe dig into that a little bit or, or, or if either of you want to respond. Um. Yes, I would. I think it is inevitable that the vice chair will end up speaking for the party. However, he speaks at the pleasure of the chair. Okay, Nick would be totally within his rights or whoever the chair is to indicate if he is in strong disagreement with the vice chair, that, uh, the vice chair is not to act as a spokesman for the, uh, party. And that is totally allowed for in our bylaws. Also in regards to what is the nature of libertarianism? One of the problems we have is we have a philosophy and a political party that share the same name and that's not necessarily the same. I'm not interested in who is a better libertarian, who is a truer libertarian. I'm not running for high priest of the Church of the Libertarian. Okay, personally, I'm what I was involved in this before where they'd even settled on the name for libertarian. Robert Heinlein uh, referred to people like me as rational anarchists. We accept laws that exist because they exist. We follow them if we don't find them particularly. Um, burdensome, and we ignore them if we do. The key is we accept total moral responsibility for our decisions. I think the NAP is very useful. It is a key touchstone, but it is not a guide to every single decision. And as to public schools, let's get it right out there. I spent 23 years as a classroom teacher in the public schools, okay? When we had an organization called the Separation of uh, School and State, I was listed as a Sakharov, meaning one who was within the system while opposing it. Okay, My position has always been you cannot put children into um, suspended animation until we come up with a better system. And if you think that just tomorrow we could cancel all schools and just 
create Libertopia, I'm afraid I respectfully disagree. But if you agree with Arvin, that's what the election will be for, Enola. All right, and this actually leads right into um, the the next question. So I do want to move on to that, and I'll, I'll let Alex uh, give the first word on this question. But this question comes from Christopher Osborne, and he asks, how important is it for you to publicly differentiate your personal views and the views of the party as a whole? Uh, and he follows up, what steps would you take to do this if you're elected vice chair? So I want to start for Alex, since he didn't get to respond at the end of the question there. Um, I always try to speak in a way that is is basically can all libertarians can get behind basically but i would be if there's something that i want to like very distinguish my personal opinion on i'll be very clear about that and i would put probably put a disclosure and a lot of times when i try to put something very clear in writing um i'll sort of jokingly put it in hashtags kind of like you're doing html tags but but more than likely um i i've spent the last few years as a candidate whether it's 2016 for the u.s senate 2017 for new york city comptroller so I've gotten used to trying to speak in a way that everyone can hear that gets the libertarian message out there. So instead of focusing on saying, hey, this is what I think, being like, here's the libertarian message. I want you to embrace the libertarian message. Let me try to get get help translated for you and get people to understand the underlying values and premises. Because I'm less interested in people knowing, um, you know, hearing my unique take on this and that more than people becoming more libertarian. So when I do, I usually do a video and I say I'm Alex Merced from alexmerced.com. When I'm speaking as Alex Merced, if I'm speaking um, as, a, as the libertarian vice chair, it'll be very different. It'll be I'm Alex Merced. I'm the vice chair of the libertarian party. Here, he, you know, here's where the party stands. But um, I would be very clear about how, how I'm speaking and what hat I'm wearing when I speak. All right. So it sounds like, Alex, you do see a, a very clear distinction. And that's why you do say I, I'm either this Alex Merced or if you become vice chair, you would say I, I'm that Alex Merced. Uh, Steve, how do you see this this issue of, of where it comes to your personal views versus, say, uh, how you would uh, sort of communicate as the vice chair representing the Libertarian Party? The first thing that I ever wrote, and I told this story before, as the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania chairman was a dismal failure. And I took a lot of flack for it because it was my opinion. And it wasn't necessarily the opinion of everybody, but yet I was speaking as the chairman. And what I did immediately after that was talk to the person who I won, you know, the, the person who I beat to become chairman and my most vocal detractor. And the three of us worked out what was going to be written from there on in for the next two years. The three of us worked on everything together. And at the end of it, um, not only did I find two brand new friends that I never knew I had. And at the end of it, we pretty much had something that everybody in the party could get behind. And it was still libertarian. You know, it had my flavor and it had their flavor in it. And when we're vice chair, that needs to be held true. No matter what it is that I write, no matter what it is that I say, it needs to be filtered from that point where I am speaking for the party. And there's a lot of different people in the party, and they have a lot of different opinions. And basically what I want to do is I want to talk about those things that everybody can agree upon. I want to make sure that everybody is cool with what it is that I'm saying. All right, and uh, we'll move on to Arvin. I think there is a very large difference between what the vice chair does in different settings. And I think it is critical to explain what you're doing when. Uh, when I'm speaking on on public media, uh, whether it's major or minor, honestly, e- either way, I basically speak from a minarchist perspective that does not technically violate anarchism. 
So, for example, I might say something to the effect of, I believe we need to reduce, you know, military overreach. I won't say necessarily that we need to eliminate it. But again, it's not it's not saying it's not like negating the anarchist perspective. It's it's saying things in a way that is something that minarchists and anarchists will can technically agree on. And even though I'm personally an anarchist, I generally speak in main major media from that perspective because I'm actively representing the Libertarian Party to the outside. When I am doing more inward-focused discussion, for example, at an LNC meeting or if I'm having a discussion with people on Facebook or something like that, at that point, I usually speak as myself from my personal perspective, which is the anarchist perspective. Um, when I'm posting something on Facebook that is you know, my opinion, I'll usually write it either as just myself or you know, as myself as, my, as a Senate candidate and not sign as vice chair. Uh, if I'm say, p- putting something on social media that I do feel accurately represents the minarchist and anarchist views, I usually sign as vice chairs. It's, it's, there, there is a sense of awareness that you do need to have as vice chair, and you do need to realize that what you say on Twitter and what you say on CNN are going to be a little bit different from each other. Uh, one of the important things as vice chair is you need to be able to say things that are going to be explosively exciting in the right context. Some of the things that I've said that are the most viral haven't been inter-party stuff. They've been things that have been shared many thousands of times on Twitter that have come from quotes that I've said to major media. It's a, it's a, it's a skill that you develop with practice, and I think it's really comes from the sense of that you need to be aware enough of when you're speaking officially as well as still be able to say things with a flair that's going to capture the imagination and capture the attention of the media as well as of social media. All right. And lastly, we will go to uh, Joe. How important it is, is it for you to uh, differentiate your personal views and uh, the views of the party when representing as the vice chair? I think it's exceedingly important. Um, and in all honesty, I think from everything I've heard, Arvin has attempted quite diligently to separate uh, his personal views from those of the party. Um, but having said that, uh, yes, you have to. Um, for one thing, none of us are one-dimensional. You know, I'm a libertarian. I'm also a father. I'm also an Episcopalian. All of these things are part of me. I'm not going to answer a question, okay, as vice chair from my Christian theological background. Uh, with regards to issues where I may be in differentiation from the norm, I would make it very clear. I don't think there are that many of them, but I would, I would make them clear. For instance, in Indiana, Indiana has never taken a position on abortion. Our party split pretty much 50-50 on the issue of abortion. We know that there's a libertarian position on both. So in Indiana, we basically say, that's your call. And rather than fight about it constantly, in Indiana, we have people with excellent pro-life and excellent pro-choice credentials running on the same ticket with no conflict, because we agree that within the libertarian tent, there's room for both. So I would basically be very clear when I'm speaking as the vice chair, and I would be very, very conscientious when I'm speaking with a voice other than that. Of the vice chair. All right. Well, it sounds like you guys all have uh, somewhat similar views on that topic. Is there anyone that uh, has anyone they want to add, anything they want to add, or anything they want to rebut before I move on? 
All right, look at that. One big happy family. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to, uh, let's see, uh, we're going to move on to a question from Joey Meyer. And uh, Joey asks, in our current society, what are the most important political uh, and or economic issues that need to be addressed and why? Uh, do some areas require more urgency than others? And uh, Arvin, you sort of addressed this earlier when you brought up government schools, so I'll let you expound on that or add any other issues you like. Sure. Uh, to me, there's basically two things that determine what I'm going to talk about. The first thing is how big is it? Government schools were talking about $500, billions of dollar, $500 billion stolen from Americans and wasted on nonsense. When we're talking about military overreach, we're talking about $500 billion plus an additional you know, $500 billion, adding up to about a trillion dollars of yearly expenditure that's just making us less safe, getting in the way of free trade, and creating problems. So those, to me, are very big issues. Medicaid is a big issue. Medicare is a big issue because they have a huge budgetary impact, and they also have a very huge social impact. People believe that government schools are good. And so it is, in addition to being a huge just theft of money, it is also a central idea of welfareist ideology, of socialism masquerading as capitalism, as welfareism masquerading as some sort of false libertarianism. So I do go after the things that I believe are the central ideologies of the enemy. I mean, those are the central ideologies of socialism, of totalitarianism. You know, you pick it. Those are the central ideas of big government statism. So that's what I go after. And that's what I think we as a party need to go after. You know, I spoke to Caleb Dyer not too long ago on social media, and I asked him if he'd be willing to sponsor legislation to abolish government schools in New Hampshire. That's an anarcho-capitalist representative in New Hampshire. And he said no, not because he was opposed to the policy. He said it would be social suicide. And he's not wrong. We as libertarians have not created a culture where the people who are there at the one-yard line can run the ball in. We have people there. We have a libertarian Congress in the state house. They could sponsor the legislation, but socially they can't because we haven't won or even started to fight that culture war. That is part of what we need to do as a party. If we want our representatives, our ANCAP representatives, to be able to abolish government schools or at least open the debate, we need to fight these cultural wars. And I think that whatever the other side holds most sacred is the first thing we should go after. All right, let's go uh, Let's go back to Joe now. Joe, what to you are the most important political and economic issues that need to be addressed uh, specifically by the Libertarian Party? And uh, do some areas, are some areas more important than others to you? I think the Libertarian Party should stand proudly as the only anti-war party left. I think we should be anti-war, both domestic and foreign. Um, I think the war on drugs, as it's heating up again, is probably one of the greatest threats to civil society. Having lived through the earlier version of this, I know what it's like to live before the drug war, and I know it's to live to live like through it and to live through this slight lessening that we had under Obama. I think that the uh, war on drugs must be fought and must be fought diligently. The militarization of the police must be fought. The um, use of police as a revenue source and not as peacekeepers uh, should be fought. And I believe the uh, foreign wars should be fought. We have troops in our building bases in Syria without the permission of the Syrian government. 
If Russia was doing that, we would call that an invasion. And I think that the Libertarian Party should be standing up strongly and vocally and telling the people what we're doing. If the American people want to have an empire, they should at least be honest enough to realize that that is what they're doing. So I think our position should be strongly, strongly anti-war, both foreign and domestic. All right, moving on. Why don't we go to Steve? Steve, what do you feel are the most important political issues for the Libertarian Party? Well, obviously there's war. I mean, we've been killing people over in the Middle East for so long now. Uh, most of our most of our young kids don't really recognize a time when we weren't in some kind of some kind of conflict. You know, it's a it's a terrible way to be. You know, we used to manufacture weapons for war. Now we manufacture war to sell our weapons. It's horrifying. You know, so you have the military industrial complex we need to go after. We also need to go after the prison industrial complex. You know, um, Joe touched on this as well with the war on drugs. We spend $100 billion every single year on the war on, on, war on drugs. And for what? So we can get the finest grade heroin money can buy that can be bought in Broad Street in broad daylight right across from City Hall. It's a failure. It's a dismal failure. We need to look at something and do something a little bit different, a little bit better. Um, as far as the injustice system goes, everybody has family that has been screwed by the injustice system. It doesn't matter what political philosophy you belong to, what political party you subscribe to. It doesn't matter. Everybody has family, if not themselves, who has been screwed over by the injustice system. That needs to be addressed. and. Myself, personally, I'm interested in helping to work towards a free market solution to that, and that involves bringing people together. It's one of those things that I've been pushing for a long, long time now, but I really want to see people come together and work on some of these projects and come up with free market solutions for, that everybody can agree on. Uh, education, we definitely need to focus on education. Arvin is not wrong with that. You know, uh, The public schools across the United States they're terrible, man. And parents really don't have much of a say-so in how their children are educated. I kind of want to start looking at options where we have tradesmen helping with kids. We can do all kinds of things like that because, you know, in our, in our nation, there are a lot of really high-paying jobs that we don't have qualified people to do. We can work on that. That's a good thing. And libertarians are also the best when it comes to in the environment. Everybody wants to protect their own home. And who best to steward the environment around everybody's home than the homeowner? It's a matter of private property. It's a matter of living life and protecting our land and protecting our environment for the people who follow us. It's a good thing, and we can do it without government. All right, and lastly, uh, I will let Alex take a crack at this one. Alex, what to you are the most important political issues to be addressed by the uh, Libertarian Party? Now, clearly, the drug war and foreign wars, uh, foreign and domestic, are the, are the two issues where you can save the most lives today. When people ask me why I enthusiastically voted for Gary Johnson, it's because the two major parties are so bad on those two particular issues. Basically, voting for the two major parties, to me— is basically voting to continue taking lives. Voting for Gary Johnson was, or voting libertarian in general, is voting to save lives in the drug war and foreign wars. But not everybody has necessarily been personally touched by the wars. Many have. Not everyone's been touched by the drug war. 
Um, many have, but everyone's been touched by the ch the, their checkbook, by the register. And I'm, that's why I've always been a very economics focused guy. And this is why when I talk about a lot of these uh -huh. ideas, I always start off with the premise of basically if the government has policies that make the things you buy more expensive and then takes more of your paycheck to pay to do those things, you end up becoming worse and worse off. And that has all sorts of different effects on the economy as far as pushing people to be more marginally, uh, you know, to affect crime, it can affect mental health. It can, and then these po the policies that create this environment include things like our trade policy, our tax policy, our monetary policy, um, our cartelization through the USDA. Um, and basically, but once you realize that, again, government does basically a lot of government policies make your life more expensive and then the government takes your money to pay for those policies that make your life expensive then you start seeing why all these policies are bad and once that's to me oftentimes a seed that gets people sort of seeing how all this stuff ties together and why it's all bad and, and basically how it all makes everyone's lives worse and at its most extremes ends people's lives prematurely all right i think uh a lot of you guys have pretty similar ideas is there anybody any, any anything anybody wants to rebut or, or add to that conversation Look at this. We are such a big, happy family here. Can we vote f for all of you for chair? <laughs> uh, we're going to move on now to some things we might have some disagreement on. Uh, let's see. We got a question from Ben Pangi. Ben wants to know, who would you most like to wor work with of the current LNC chair candidates? And uh, I guess I should add, as of today, there is one less candidate to choose from as Alicia Dern has uh, removed herself not only from the race for LNC chair, but uh, from the party as well. So of the remaining candidates, who would you all most like to work with as vice chair? Uh, we'll start with Steve. I'm kind of in a unique position because I've talked to all of these people on a one-on-one -on -one basis and... I like them all. Each each one of them has has definite skills they can bring to the table as chair. You know, I like Nick. I think Nick can run a meeting better than anybody in the history of the world. Um, that was just amazing what he did in 2016. Anybody who was there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Joshua Smith is a really good dude. I love talking to him. He's really energetic and he's really trying hard to to share his views with everybody and he's been running around like a madman trying to make that happen. Um, Matt Cunell, you know, people sometimes give him a bad rap because of the stuff that he says on Facebook. And yet not everything he says on Facebook is terrible. When, uh, when we talk to him on the phone, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of calm, laid back a different person altogether. It will be interesting to see what he does when he when he debates everybody on on stage in New Orleans, and um, Joe Pascal has come back to the party and is now running for chair. And I like Joe. That one that one's breaking news to me. <laughs> I didn't know about that. Yeah, I, I I like him. I think he's all right. You know, I, I most most of the guys here already know him because well he was in the vice chair's race with us for a little while, and. Um, yeah, I, I like Joe, and I'd, I'd like to hear what he has to say when he gets on stage in New Orleans. Then, um, then of course, there's Matt Shutter, and he's a fellow Pennsylvanian. <sighs> what can I say about Matt Shutter? I think it's better I say nothing about Matt Shutter. Anyway, so that's my that's my report on on the current candidates for chair. I, that can work with just about anybody. All right, so we're not going to be able to squeeze you to one answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Um, Alex, I know you're everybody's friend. Are we going are we going to be able to squeeze an answer out of you on this one? <laughs> um, well, the bottom line is I did actually came out and endorsed uh, Josh about a week or two ago. Now, while I have nothing against Nick, I think Nick has done a tremendous job in a lot of ways. And he ran that 2016 convention wonderfully. Um, I when I have a, a, a much closer relationship with Josh. So basically, um, I feel like we, of course, we're going to be able to work together better just because we know each other. Kind of like I think um, Arvin and Nick knew each other before uh, they came into their positions. And I think that kind of chemistry does help in both people being able to do um, a more effective job. Although I, I, I like Nick and if he's the chair, I would do everything I can to, to be as supportive and helpful as possible. But I know Josh. I I, I, tr- I trust Josh, and I've seen Josh grow a lot over the last six months. I mean, the Josh that's now is not the same Josh that was at the beginning of the race. It reminds me very much of kind of Austin Peterson in 2016, where he kind of started out as sort of the candidate that people didn't take seriously, but he worked his butt off and got a lot of people really excited, got a lot of people really enthusiastic, was you know, and basically became a credible candidate and someone that people could really get excited about at the end. And I feel the same way about Josh. Josh has really come into his own. He's traveled the country, gotten to know people all across the country. And I feel like that's really affected him. He's really kind of learned the, the different challenges that people in different uh, state chapters have and has really developed a passion for the party and really a clearer vision of what the party needs um, through his journey. So he's a much different Josh than he was at the beginning of the race. And people really need to go get to know the Josh after his journey, the experience he's had and the, the, the knowledge he's gained throughout that journey. All right. Well, since Alex endorsed him, it's a pretty, pretty easy to give a straightforward answer there. Uh, why don't we move on to Joe of the remaining LNC chair candidates? Do you have a favorite, anyone that you would uh, be most like to work with as vice chair? Well, if I was just playing politics, given Alex and Josh's love fest, I probably should come out for Nick. Um, but in all honesty, um, I, it's not my call, quite frankly. By the time we get to the race, the chairmanship will be decided by the delegates. And whoever's in there is who I will have to work with. So um, I've also gotten to know Nick over time, and I've gotten to know Josh, because although Josh has been to 17 state conventions, I've been to 10. And we've crossed paths quite a bit and have spent time together. And I've come to respect what he's doing, but whoever the convention chooses, that's who I will have to work with. And I will work with my, do the best job I can for whoever gets there. And I think people should not rule out NODA. Um, remember, uh, we've already had a candidate for national chair, uh, tie NODA. And if NODA wins, uh, one of the rounds, then all those candidates cannot be nominated and we'll have to go to a nomination from the floor. So I say, stay tuned. That's really interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, I was actually, as you were saying that I was wondering what actually happens, uh, if Noda were to win the chairmanship, so to speak. And, uh, that's interesting. So then all the current candidates would be gone. And I guess everyone's up, everyone else who's in the LP is up for, uh, is up for contention. Then it will be up to floor nominations. Well, that, that, that certainly would be interesting. I believe that's um, what happened in 2012. Yeah. Uh, Rutherford tied Nola, so, uh, uh, Noda, so he was allowed to stay on the ballot, but then it was opened up to anyone from the floor. All right. And uh, moving on then to Arvin. Uh, Arvin, do you have a preference uh, of who wins the, uh, the chairmanship? I, I have a very strong preference. I have served under two great chairs. I've served under Jeff Neal. I've served under Nick Sarwark. And Jeff Neal is an, was, was a great chair, but... 
Nick Sarwark is an incredible chair. A lot of the things that he does are things that many people just aren't aware of. You know, having gotten the chance to work closely with him, I am just in awe of of the way that he he works. Uh, just a few highlights. This is a guy who had the foresight to look ahead and know that even though our numbers were down in early 2000, in early 2016, he said we need to build infrastructure because all those people who are going to leave Rand Paul are going to come to us, and that if they elect somebody as stupid as Trump. There are a lot more people are going to come to us. And one of the reasons for our successes was that foresight. Since then, he has you know, used his considerable organizational prowess to increase our staff in ways that are very targeted and very beneficial. But what really sets Nick apart from, I think, anyone else I've met in the libertarian movement is that he can communicate in a way that is absolutely hardcore principled and yet the most status status are able to hear not too long ago I was getting my hair cut and the, and the person cutting my hair mentioned that she'd heard the chairman of the libertarian party on, on NPR and how impressed and how excited she was. And this is somebody who has very hardcore liberal values with the exception of also believing that we need a huge military industrial complex and without compromising the libertarian principles one drop, Nick was able to reach someone like that. And I think that is a rare ability. And so while I, I mean, I, I, I have I would be completely happy to work with anybody as chair. I think that the benefits that Nick brings, especially going into a presidential election, are very, very important. So I've, I have formally endorsed him. And I very strongly support him. It is those shoes are not shoes that I think anyone else who's currently running can fill. All right, uh, we will move on now to. Uh, I got to give her a second question because I just love this question so much. I'm going to take another one from uh, from Stephanie Parker, and uh, she asks if your tenure as chair could be remembered for one thing: post position. Uh, what would that action or direction uh, or philosophy even be? Uh, I'll start with Arvin here again, since you already have served as cha- as vice chairman. Uh, what would you most like to be remembered for as in your time as uh, as the vice chair? I think I would. It's not so much that I would want myself to be remembered. I would say right now when somebody thinks about who in the Libertarian Party is the most opposed to government schools, a lot of people would say me. But if you asked who's most opposed to the drug war, no one would really be able to answer that question. And what I want is that when somebody says which Libertarian is most opposed to government schools, I want that question to be impossible to answer because it is correctly seen as a fundamental principle for all libertarians, minarchists, or anarchists. All right, concise answer. Back to the the school issue. Um, Why don't we move on to Alex? Alex, if you were to be elected as vice chairman, what would you want to be most remembered as doing during that time? Now, something I felt that happened in 2016 at the National Convention is that libertarians from all across the country met each other. And I think there was a sort of a new sense of connection. I mean, while there's been conventions in the past, there was something unique about that convention that made everyone feel much more connected than before. And I hope that happens again in 2018. But what I hope that I can do as vice chair is to try to have that feeling, that dynamic all the time, that we're always constantly reaching out to each other, connecting each other, and, and, and basically making us feel more unified all the time, not just every two years at a national convention, 
but constantly just building those bridges and, and reinforcing those bridges and making everyone feel united towards a common cause, regardless of our minor differences here and there in strategy, in, in vision on certain issues, but to always make us feel like we are really part of something awesome. All righty. And uh, why don't we move on to Steve? Steve, if you are elected as the vice chairman, how would you most like to be remembered? The whole thing about being the vice chair is making the party work and making the candidates be the absolute highest priority. You know, we want to have this really awesome message and we want to have our candidates be able to deliver that message clearly, concisely, professionally. What I really love it, if people remembered me for being that person who was able to facilitate communication between the people who have done it, the veterans and the novices, I would be really happy with that. I would be really, really happy with everybody doing everything that they can to promote the candidates, to promote libertarianism, to make it just change the world, man. I want to make the world a better place from us having been here. And whether I'm remembered for that or not is meaningless, as long as the world is a better place for my having been here. All right. And lastly, we will go to Joe. Joe, if you attain the position of vice chairman, what would uh, what sort of legacy would you most like to leave behind? Well, when Steve Dosbach was national chair, uh, he once told me that there's no limit to what you can accomplish if you're willing to let other people take the credit. So quite frankly, I don't remember, do not want to be remembered for anything. However, during the time that I'm in there, I would like to see the party grow to the point where it's attracting the quality of candidates that is instilling fear into the uh, legacy parties. That's what I'm after. My name is Dale Kearns, and I'm running for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania as a libertarian. I'm a concerned citizen who has had enough. I work as a project manager for an electrical contractor in southeastern Pennsylvania. There I manage large commercial and industrial projects. I'm a husband and a father of two energetic little girls. I'm running to advocate for a society where my girls have more liberty, not less. Will you support our campaign? Unlike my competitors, I'm not a career politician. I don't have millionaire and billionaire donors. I'm running for Senate in Pennsylvania because I want to take the message to Washington that we want government out of our lives. Will you let me be your voice? Let me be the voice that says, we will not walk quietly down the road to serfdom. The voice that says we need free market solutions. The voice that says we need to end the failed war on drugs. The voice who will fight for the forgotten man and non-violent offenders wasting away in prison and addicts who are afraid to speak up and seek the help they need. We are seeking members for our campaign team. I encourage you to apply. We need donations to help us spread the message of liberty across the state. We can go on hoping for liberty to happen or we can fight together. I hope you choose the latter and join me today. Find out more at DaleKearns.com. Paid for by Dale Kearns for Office. All right, very good. And I will give you guys all a chance to uh, give a closing statement in just a minute. But uh, there's one question I just want to bring back from the LNC chairman debate. Uh, that was a question Ben Pangy gave for that one. And uh, he, he asked everyone what other candidate on the show with us today would they vote for? So if, if you knew you were not going to be vice chairman for whatever reason. So if you know you're out of the race, uh, who on this show would you vote for who would be your choice to be the vice chairman of the LNC if not yourself uh I'll start with Arvin uh if I wasn't going to vote for myself I'd probably vote for Steve um I mean he's bold he has a lot of exciting ideas uh even during this 
discussion, I actually quoted him on Facebook because I thought he said something really cool. And so, you know, if he can get me to quote him in the middle of a debate where we're adversaries, I think that that he has something to offer. I've been I've been impressed just seeing him, you know, get more intense during these debates, get more passionate. So so that's if I wasn't going to vote for me, I would probably vote for Steve. All right. We got a straightforward answer on that one. Let's see what we can get from. Well, why don't we just go to Steve? <laughs> Steve, who would you vote for if not yourself? <laughs> wow. Thank you, Arvin. Seriously, thank you. I um I'm I'm actually responding to that to that particular quote, you know, and I, and I'm saying you know, as much as I want to like it, I'm really horrified and saddened by the fact of it all. But uh anyway, um man, what can I say? I've seen Arvin in action, you know, at at, at the LNC meetings, and he really does a capable job as vice chair. I've seen Joe in action. Joe's done a pretty capable job of, of discussing the issues and laying out what it is that he's trying to say. I think he's a good guy. I think Alex is a great guy. I've seen him in action. I've worked with Alex. And, you know, when, when you say narrow it down to one, it's impossible to narrow it down to one because everybody who's in this race is just actually pretty qualified to do the job. Um, if I was going to vote for somebody else, and I had to narrow it down to one, it'd probably be Alex. And why Alex? Is there something that, that sets him apart as who you'd vote for? I think Alex and I are on the same wavelength on a lot of the issues, and we, we're approaching the job of the vice chair in, in a really similar fashion. So if, if I couldn't be chair, I'd want somebody who's going to be, who's going to be vice chair in, in the same fashion that I would be. All right, so why don't we move on to Alex? Alex, uh, who would you vote for for vice chairman if you knew you were not going to win for whatever reason? Now, first off, I just want to start off by saying I really love all the candidates. I've gotten to know everybody really well over the last six months, and I really hope there's a you know a situation where we, we all can serve on the LNC together because I think we've developed a very good rapport with each other, which I think would make for a awesome LNC and an awesome two years leading up to 2020. But like for the kind of the same reasons, um, as Steve said, I mean, I think me and Steve one have spent a lot of time together the last six months, and we we definitely are have a very similar vision, similar take on uh, a lot of issues. So he would definitely be the person who I feel like, if not me, would probably be the most similar as far as what the result would be. But I, I Joe is awesome, Sam is awesome, Arvin's awesome. I mean, despite all the controversies. Arvin, you work your butt off. I've seen you work your butt off. And um, I, 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 all these guys are awesome. Um, but yeah, Steve would be the person who I think I see most having a similar vision to myself. Okay. And uh, lastly, we'll go with Joe. Joe, if it's not going to be you, who's your guy for vice chairman? Sorry, not going to answer it. Um, I don't view myself actually as even running against these other candidates. Uh, I run this camp, my campaign the same way I've run every campaign I've run as a libertarian. Uh, when they ask me whether or not I'm going to win, I say, I'm running to represent an idea. If the majority of people like my idea, then I'll win. And if the majority of the people disagree with me or aren't ready for it, then I won't. And that's the way I'm approaching this race. I'm running for um, the idea of bringing in uh, experience of being an open party focused on winning elections. If the party doesn't agree with me, 
then there are excellent people running um, for this job besides me. I think a better way to put it is there's nobody running that if they win is going to cause me to stop being as active as I can in supporting this party. All right, fair enough. So uh, we'll move on now to your closing statements. If you could all just give um, your very last word on uh, why you believe you are the person who should be elected as uh, the vice chairman of the Libertarian Party. And Joe, I'll I'll let you keep going. I'll let you sort of expand on what you're saying there about why you're running and, and let you wrap things up. I'm running as, using the old phrase, a big tent libertarian. By that, I mean that everyone who falls into the libertarian quadrant on the Nolan chart, in my opinion, belongs in the Libertarian Party and as a accepted libertarian. And to me, a libertarian is someone who wants less government, less intrusive, less expensive, um, less uh, oppressive, and gave us 25 bucks. In Indiana, we don't have to sign the pledge, but I know you do. We do for national. Um, all of those people, to me, belong in the Libertarian Party. So I don't believe the big tent just means moving it from 90-90 to 85-85 on the Nolan chart. And it doesn't mean just picking up the tent, putting it over yourself and saying, this is what a Libertarian is. I think we I have to all work together. Libertarians, philosophical libertarians, philosophical anarchists philosophical classical liberals, constitutional conservatives, gold bugs, cryptocurrency people, and the people that I used to call lifestyles in search of a justification. The goal is not to build a nice party we're all comfortable in, to run people for libertarian beauty contests. The goal is to cut back the size of the state. Some want to cut it back a lot. Some want to cut it back to zero. The key is if you want to cut it back, I believe you should be welcome in the Libertarian Party. And that's what I'm running on. All righty. Uh, we'll move on to Alex. Alex, let's hear the final word. Why should you be the man to obtain that vice chairmanship? Bottom line, if you like what I've had to say today, and then vote for me. If you want to hear more of what I have to say, go over to Alex Merced for LNC.com or Facebook.com slash Alex Merced for LNC so you can hear about a lot of the other ideas that I have for the idea. But more importantly... Because many of you listening right now may not currently be Libertarian Party members. The case I want to make to you right now is to become a Libertarian Party member. The party is at a turning point. This is the most important time, if you are a Libertarian of any stripe, to be involved in the party. Um, Recently, Nebraska released some numbers where registrations as Libertarians are growing, while registrations as Republicans and Democrats are shrinking. The ability for the Libertarian Party to become a a strong factor to cut back the state, as Joey said, is, 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 is nigh. And we need everyone on deck. So if you're listening to this, go over there to lp.org slash join and, and join. This is the time. This is when we need you. This is when basically everyone matters. Thank you. All right. Moving on to Steve. Steve, why don't you wrap up your thoughts on why you should be elected as the vice chairman of the LNC? Well, my goal is to see the Libertarian Party be the best it can possibly be. And to the delegates who are going to New Orleans, that's what I want you to consider when you're deciding who it is you're going to vote for. Don't vote for me because you like me. Don't vote for anybody else because you like them personally. Vote for us because you believe that our ideas are going to be the ideas that push the party forward, that make the party a better place, that basically 
make it better because we were there. And like Alex said, if you're not a member of National, why not? Please join National. All right. And uh, I will give the final word to uh, the current vice chairman. Uh, so it's, you're going to answer a slightly different question. It's not why you, you should be elected. It's why you should remain the vice chairman of the LNC. Arvin Vora, take it away. If you look at my Facebook page today, somebody shared an image from Rand Paul, and Rand Paul was talking about some just foolish bit of government ways, the way that we know government does, spending it on just insane nonsense. That is not what I believe should be the center of what we're doing. Our quibble is not with the specific ways in which the government carries out its project, but rather with the goal itself. Our disagreement is with the idea of a welfare state, the idea of government schools. The problem is not, as Reason Magazine put it, that government schools are spending too much on, on, on administration. The problem is that welfare does not belong in American culture or American policy at all, and government schools are definitionally welfare. Socialism does not belong in America at all, and government schools are definitionally socialism. As vice chair... I will be fighting the big fights. I will be creating situations that will encourage more candidates, more members, more activists to find that to find the courage to have those big fights. Listen, we're not a party about hemp and soda taxes. We can choose to be that party because as an ideology, libertarianism does have an answer to those minor issues. But the heart and soul of libertarianism is ending the welfare state, is ending these foreign wars. It's saying we don't need to be the policemen of the world or tell people what to do with their own bodies. We need to have the big fight to fight the big cultural wars. We already have people in office. Let's give them the cultural support so they can do what we need them to do. If I'm elected, I will make that my number one priority. All right. Well, uh, I just want to thank all of you for taking the time out of your, what I know, your very busy schedules, both uh, your personal and professional lives, as well as your lives as being active members of the Libertarian Party and running for these positions, running for other positions. Uh, all of you are are just stretched thin. So I really do appreciate, and I know my listeners appreciate, uh, many of my listeners whom are our delegates to the LNC. So I know they can really find some value out of this. Uh, so I really do want to thank you guys all for coming on. I think it was a really great debate and a really great, I wouldn't even call it a debate. It was more a really great conversation. And that's, that's what I was looking for. Uh, so thanks to each and every one of you. Best of luck. And uh, I am very much looking forward to seeing all of you in New Orleans. Well, thank you. See you there. Thanks See for you having us. There. All right, Liberty Kitty Cats, I hope you enjoyed this little debate here with candidates for the vice chairmanship of the Libertarian National Committee. This is a uh, follow up on the show from last week when I hosted a debate with Nick Sarwark. Joshua Smith and the uh, now departed from the race, Alicia Dern. So a lot of uh, interesting developments occurring on the way to the Libertarian National Convention in New Orleans, which thanks to the Lions of Liberty Pride, thanks to our supporters on Facebook, myself and John Odermatt will be there live in New Orleans to bring you coverage. We're also going to be attending the Take Human Action Bash on that Saturday, June 30th, which will be very exciting. Guys like Tom Woods, Scott Horton, Michael Bolden, Eric July and Backwards are going to be there. It's going to be a really, really exciting exciting time. So very much looking forward to going to New Orleans. Thanks to all of our supporters and our supporters not only get tons and tons of new bonus content. Just this weekend, I dropped uh, two little 
Ask Me Anythings I did on my way to and from the city of Fresno, which uh, is not the most exciting place in the world. But I did have four hours in the car, so I was able to take some questions from our supporters and answer them. And I answered literally everything I was asked, uh, to some extent, <laughs> anyway. And uh, we also get you guys some early access to a lot of our shows. Uh, so this vice chair debate has been available for the last five days for our, our supporters on Patreon. Uh, LNC chair debate was the same thing. So we really do a lot to uh, bring some extra content and lots of extra perks to all of our supporters. So please do go ahead and check that out on patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. We really appreciate all the support. We appreciate you regardless of whether you send us money because without listeners, without people talking about and discussing the ideas of liberty, psh, what's the point of all this stuff? And uh, I want to give a shout out to Chris Spangle, my good friend Chris Spangle, uh, one of the League of Liberty members, the host of We Are Libertarians. He did a great breakdown of the LNC chair debate on his show. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and check that out. Uh, go over to the We Are Libertarians feed. Should be the last episode you see there. Uh, he really did a really good uh, breakdown, and maybe he'll do one of the vice chair debate. We'll see. We shall see. Um, but uh, yeah, be sure to check that out. And of course, our other good friend, one of our other good friends from the League of Liberty, Roger Paxton, is putting on Porkfest, which again, thanks to all of our supporters, we are able to attend and bring you coverage of, which will include the uh, the daunting whiskey challenge, which we've discussed a few times on the show now. Uh, now something else I want to say, due to all the, the stuff I've got going on, multiple debates, multiple interviews I've covered... Um, um, multiple interviews I have in the bank coming up for the next few weeks. We really don't have time to do one of our traditional uh, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor shows before Porkfest. So there's not going to be a Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor on the regular podcast schedule before that Whiskey Challenge show at this point. However, for our Patreon supporters, we are going to do a very special video Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. Yes, you'll actually be able to see us, see our beautiful faces. Except for Rico, he's going to remain mysterious. So that should be coming to you in the next week or so. So again, just another perk we provide to our supporters over on Patreon. I also want to remind you before we sign off that you can find today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 349. This being the 349th episode of this flagship original Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, we have since expanded the format of this program to include three different shows. That's right. This is the only libertarian variety show out there. This coming Wednesday, you'll have Brian McWilliams bringing you his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land. And John Odie Odermatt will be wrapping things up on Friday with his hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. So much variety here. So many different shows, all in one podcast feed. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, hey, if you don't mind, leave us a five-star rating and a great review. Because that little stuff, little stuff like that, if you aren't able to contribute five bucks a month or or what have you uh, to help support us financially, very simple way you can help us is by leaving us a great review on iTunes. If you've already left one there, you can leave one on Stitcher. Uh, anywhere you can anywhere you can review us really would be helpful. Or just telling your family and friends about the show because that is the idea. To spread these ideas of liberty, to continue to engage in this conversation, that's what we're all about. So uh, we'll continue to do that each and every week. If, if you keep showing up, I will. That's my promise. Until next time, folks, live long and live free.
Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, Liberty Rockers, this is Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Each week, I strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, economists, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check it out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com or find us on iTunes. Each show is action-packed, explicit, and a lot of fun. So join me at Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Launchpad.com every week for the newest episode. Keep liberty alive and rock and roll. 